The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at The Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system, our intelligence, into the living landscape of work through visual devices and visual systems, how to install the language of our current level of operations right now, our level of excellence, even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be, as we know we will be in the future, in a little while. When we make that level concrete and specific, and we do that through visual devices and mini systems, we can literally see what we think. We see it in the forms of these devices. They're physical devices. We see how our thinking functions. We see if it is complete, incomplete, if it needs to be realigned, if it needs to be strengthened, if we need to do more than tell, if we need to actually make people do it because the visual workplace is a behavioral mechanism. It is an adherence mechanism that actually guides and limits and directs behavior, our behavior, and machine behavior. And why do we bother? We bother for the incredible bottom line benefits. I was with a client just this week, and we were modestly saying, all right, look, we guarantee 6%, but it's more likely to be 15 They just couldn't swallow 15. It was just too much to imagine that there was so much waste still in their system that they were going to get a 15% increase in productivity. But in fact, it was there. So we had to say, okay, how about six? Is that something you could tolerate without feeling (laughs) wiggly? (laughs) Incredible bottom line benefits. Improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery time, more productivity with less, with no struggle. If you go the distance, it's no struggle. You take the struggle out, the micro-struggle. And we do it for the splendid cultural alignment. When we liberate information, we liberate the human will. And so people become engaged and spirited and contributing on all levels, not just operators, but also our CEOs. They find their way to contribute because they find their voice and put their voice into visual devices. That's the way it works. And third, we enjoy ourselves at work. How wonderful to go to work, to look forward to work, to know when we come home, we will have grown 
and we will have had a fluid, enjoyable time doing our work. Because the workplace has become our partner, we have help all along the way, and together, us and the workplace, we can do it. How wonderful, how wonderful. So this is what we talk about on our weekly show. No less so today is the concluding show of a short series I'm doing on the invisible enemy. It's very important. I wanted to begin our kind of new season because we took the summer off. I wanted to begin our new season with a recapitulation, with a reminder about what the visual workplace is and why it's so powerful and who the enemy is. Visuality is not just about putting devices in place, but I digress. Right now, we're in the little piece where I'm telling you briefly what today's show is about. I'll tell you more in a moment. And I also want to encourage you to listen next week. Next week's show is very, 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 very special. That's all I want to say. Besides, please tune in. It is a bit unusual for one of our shows, and I think it's very cool. I'm really thrilled. I've been working on this particular show since last February, (laughs) so I'm excited about sharing something quite different with you. It is my job to encourage you on your visual workplace journey, and I want to tell you that our visual workplace website allows that to happen. We offer lots of free services. We have free podcasts that are completely searchable. They're not just a bunch of dates and titles. They are taglines and categories of topics, and you can search them. You can search them by name. You can search them by tagline. It doesn't matter. The same thing with our newsletter articles. These are resources that are there for you to use. Listen Listen to our 46-minute show or read a one-page article. Strengthen your understanding. Get our books off of the website, visualworkplace.com. Read the books. They're very, very good. Get our training system, which is not, by the way, free, but you'll have samples of it. You can see samples in our video gallery also, which is free. I think there's six or seven clips in there that I think are really interesting. Get our our online training system for your operators or our online training system for engineers on Pokeoke, on creating Pokeoke devices in the pre-manufacturing, the manufacturing setting or after you've had a callback and you realize, my God, we need to Pokeoke this. It's called mistake proofing, the engineer's course. Arrange for us to come out and do a training of trainers in either or both. So we have lots of resources and lots of other things. I just got back from Minnesota and I did a visual displays workshop and I want to tell you it was over the top. The displays that came out of it were superb. And they had dimensions of meaning, but I digress. We'll do a show on visual displays and I'll rave about how important they are and also how great our workshop in it is because it is and you can't find that anywhere. People do these copy cut these cookie cutter, uh, copycat uh, visual displays that don't serve them. So anyway, we're going to be in Mexico in two weeks for the week with the Shingo Prize, with Abel Gomez and his OPEX organization. And they're the Shingo Prize sponsor in Mexico. And then we're going to be going to New Brunswick in the remote regions of Canada. We're really looking forward to that. But let's move on to today. Oh, you can check our calendar on visualworkplace.com to see where I'm going to be. A lot of the offerings are public. Some of them are closed because they just sell out. We run out of room. 
some of them are about our on-site work as well. So check out visualworkplace.com. There's lots of things there for you. Today we're talking about Godzilla meets visuality. And this is the third and concluding show in our little reintroduction of what is visuality and why is it important. And the question posed today is, how big are the chronic information deficits in your workplace? And if you haven't done visuality, then I know that they are, excuse me for presuming, but huge. They're huge because they're invisible. That's our invisible enemy, missing information. Imagine Godzilla and you're approaching the right size, (laughs) says our blurb on this, our announcement today. You have to find the footprint of the beast. You have to find the footprint and then you'll be able to gauge the massive volume of motion that is triggered by missing answers at work. Whether you're in a hospital, an office, a factory, an open pit mine, it doesn't matter. So today I'm going to give you four tools for you to put visual thinking into action. And visual thinking is a way to attack the enemy by first finding them and then reducing the information deficits through solutions that are visual and therefore wiping out motion, the footprint. Okay, so I'm going to walk you through it. This is work, as we say in our announcement, that Six Sigma, Continuous Improvement, and Lean cannot do. They're simply not fit to do it. They're not designed to do it. Six Sigma is a set of techniques that dis- that dis- deploys statistical variation and distribution to improve quality and processes. It actually has become a very powerful problem-solving technique, a sequence of steps called DMAIC. That's the main contribution now. Sometimes... Statistical tools are used, but not always. But it, it's a project-based methodology. It is not about changing the conditions of work, but rather attacking a problem quite, quite thoroughly and mastering it, getting rid of the problem, saving lots of money. But it doesn't change the fundamental system of work, the operations. And Lean is also, technically speaking, a predetermined set of improvement tools that squeeze time and space out of the route that work takes, the product takes, as it moves through the company's operational landscape and gains value. That's its purpose. You can call that route critical path, which is what I do, or the value stream, but Lean's purpose is to identify and then eliminate barriers and constraints in that pathway, the seven deadly wastes. Time is Lean's macro metric and its corollary speed. I've talked about that at length. And in the toolbox are time-based tools, standard work, quick changeover, level material consumption. By the way, when you do your standard work, you are putting yourself in the position of controlling time because that's what you're doing. You're finding the elements of work. And you're doing them in sequence. And that immediately brings you face-to-face with time. It has nothing to do with information deficits. Not directly. Of course you clean up the landscape when you do any kind of streamlining. It has a powerful, lean has a powerful impact 
on your key performance indicators, your safety, quality, cost, and on-time delivery. Of course it does. In some cases, dazzling. But that does not, it is not designed to attack your informational landscape. And also, the other thing about Lean, which you've heard me say, is that it's become this conglomeration, this bucket of improvement tools and practices practices that make it for some hard to find Lean's beating heart. And Lean's beating heart is time and space, speed, not information. And there are those of us who regret the blurring of the sharp edges that Lean used to have in the early times, in the early days, 1980s, 1990s. But other people, perhaps you, celebrate the expansion to include also continuous improvement and leadership and employee empowerment and this kind of stew, delicious stew. Visual. Visual is its own improvement methodology that focuses on the struggle that results when information is missing at work. Deficits of information, chronic deficits, and they exist in almost every company that has not gone visual. But they are largely overlooked because they are invisible. Missing answers simply are not there. The enemy is invisible. When a company embarks upon the visual journey, we're going to describe this in part today, it hunts down that enemy in the only way it can, by hunting down and hunting for the footprint. The footprint is called motion moving without working. Motion in its thousand and perverse forms that all add up to struggle. Searching, looking for, wandering, wondering, asking questions, interrupting someone to ask questions, being interrupted to answer the same question again and again and again. Questions are one of the big, very noticeable phosphorescence, day glow footprints of a non-visual workplace, an information-starved workplace. Motion in the pre-visual workplace is an insidious array of microtransactions. But we'll pick this up after the break. We will describe this more. You'll get very scared. It's a very scary. <laughs> Motion, the footprint of the beast. I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
the business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to the second part of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we are talking about the beast, Godzilla meets visuality. (laughs) Godzilla, the beast, hidden, missing information, actually not there, the invisible enemy, and its footprint, kaboom. The footprint is motion. Motion in the pre-visual workplace is, as I said before the break, an insidious, a toxic array of microtransactions that if you are unaware of them, you barely notice because they look just like a normal day at work. And so you never think to eliminate it. You're awfully busy. You don't get a lot of work done. But you're awfully busy. That busyness is struggle. That's the insidious array of microtransactions that add no value whatsoever, where you move and you don't work. But for a workforce that has learned to see motion and knows that it is the cause, it then makes up the deficit by replacing the missing information that triggered the motion, that triggered the struggle with a visual device, an array of visual devices, not hundreds of visual devices in a fully functioning visual workplace, but thousands. They know that the way to remove an information deficit and the motion that it triggered is to turn the missing answer into a visual device, and that device holds the answer visibly for anyone and everyone who needs it, including you. You pull the answer to you. Without speaking a word, the answer is there waiting. And it is installed at the point of use because you know where that point of use is. You know where that speck needs to jump into your field of vision or into your hand. There's much to be said about that. Much to be said about making these devices more and more powerful. But the fundamental understanding is information is power. And as I said last week, if you're old enough, you, like me, learned that in the 1960s when the revolution exploded, and it's still playing itself out. When we liberate information, we liberate the human will. We also liberate flow, and that is primary in a visual workplace, to liberate otherwise hidden or secret information, and in the process of doing so, Liberate the power that is in each of us, the power of our will, and the liberated will will choose, if it wishes, to align with the corporate intent and often does. Anything else is closer to coercion or simply a looming need to pay the mortgage. It also liberates the value that was designed into your value stream. Instead of it being covered over, things picked up, 
In the 1980s, we had another spike when Japanese demonstrated this, although they didn't use this language. And I will tell you, nowhere in Japan is there a model of visuality. I have had the pleasure, the honor, the gift to my life has been to be able to do that. It has been so interesting to find and codify this model and make it useful to others. This has been my life's work, and I've got another 20, 30 years in me. Now, I do Zumba four times a week, so I'm very strong. (laughs) So in the 1980s, we learned about visual formats for SOPs and work instructions and scheduling boards and Hoshin and all of this in the Japanese company is hidden in plain sight. It is so integrated with the production system that no one thought to pull it out and say, this is a system of improvement. This is a strategic methodology. Information becomes visual by design and it becomes therefore an indispensable part of your business case, your business model. So today we're going to look at four tools that will help us find the footprint of the beast. One of them is simply staying alert, looking, listening, knowing it's there, listening for questions. Second, fast on the heels of that is the memo pad and the pen. I've talked about this a dozen times. It's so easy and it's so powerful. The third will be naming the location of your main work, what I call your value field, where you add value. And connected closely with that one is using a pedometer or a stopwatch. Now, in some cases, you'll see this as something that operators do. You're wrong. These tools are used by supervisors, managers, and the very, very smart CEO. If you know, for example, as a supervisor, that your value field is at Gemba, is the production floor if you're working in a factory, or on the floor if you're working as a, in a hospital, you'll measure the times that you're not there. You'll do it by pedometer or you use your memo pad. So let's just talk about the memo pad, these tools. Your alert to the beast, and the beast leaves a footprint, which is motion, moving, and not adding value. Your alert to your definition of what work is. I should say that differently. The definition of what your work is, how you add value. And you look for those interruptions, and you know But I know that it takes us 8 to 10 minutes to recover from an interruption, any interruption, no matter how long, how short, not to just resume your work, but to resume it at the level of focused attention you had before the interruption. Think of the quality implications of that, of interruptions, distractions, and the way that you gauge it. So, So that alertness is the first tool, your awareness your understanding of the beast and its footprint. And then you take out a memo pad, a little pocket memo pad. I like the kind that has a spiral at the top. And on the front, you flip the front cover and you keep track. You make a slash mark each time someone interrupts you with a work-related question. 
And if you want to follow the letter of the law, then you also treat your phone calls and emails as interruptions. Each time there's a question in an email. Hey, Marianne, what time did you say our meeting was? Or pick up the phone and say, excuse me, do you know when the next mail drop is? Such an innocent question. Slash, slash, that's two. Count your emails if you want to be brave and phone calls. So that's the side you use the front side of the memo pad to keep track of when someone else interrupts you. Make your slash march. Tick, 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 slash. Sorry, tick, 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 slash. Tick, 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 slash. And if you're smart, and I know you are, keep track of the questions you're asked. The exact words would be helpful. You can do it personally. Try this out for yourself to validate that you are still in a pre-visual workplace. Or you can do it with your team. It's a great exercise. And what you're doing is you're validating that there is a problem. This is not a methodology for turning the problem into a solution, but it is a metric, a key performance indicator that shows us the problem exists and shows us to what extent. Houston, we have a problem. So on the front side, you have the how many questions am I asked, and then flip it over, use the back cover as the beginning of flip, how many questions do I ask, and you can write that right inside the cover. We actually are working on an app for this. (laughs) We're finally getting modern. And write down how many times you interrupt someone else. Tick, 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 slash, tick, 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 slash, and you write down the question that you asked. And if you do get a little bit further into the basic principles of the visual workplace, you'll know that what we're doing is need to know, need to share. What is my, what do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work? Oops, I don't know this. I'm going to interrupt someone else. I'm going to interrupt somebody. Tick, 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 slash. I'm interrupting someone else. The flip side of what do I need to know is what do I need to share? What do I know that other people need to know so they can do their work more completely, more safely, more on time? And those are the interruptions that you get. People interrupt you to ask questions because you have a need to share that you haven't yet recognized. And that's the use of both staying alert and not taking these interruptions these phone calls, these emails, this walking around looking for, this just sitting, wondering, trying to recall, what did she say? You are alert and you know that's motion. And then you use your memo pad to kind of, as a magnet, to capture it. So you have hard evidence. You've got evidence. You know, Gemba is a Japanese word for the crime scene. So we're in Gemba and we're collecting evidence of the crime. The crime is information deficits. The evidence is motion. Again, these do not represent a methodology. Methodology is a process by which you and your workforce are able to convert this understanding into visual solutions. That's what we use our work that makes sense online training for. It's fantastic. You know, I like my work. You already know that. 
But it's no, it's not that I'm bragging about it. I'm just so grateful. So grateful that I'm able to capture this and it's useful to others. Our online system is fantastic. For This is work that makes sense for operator level visuality. And we will soon have our visual displays that will help supervisors online. We have it now only as an on-site course. And it's terrific. But those are the methodologies, and there's another six methodologies, are focused on getting rid of the information deficits, replacing them with certain categories of visual function, certain categories of visual devices. Okay? Visual pull systems, visual controls, visual material consumption, visual metrics, visual problem solving, visual order, which is the visual wear, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the first thing. That's the first pair, staying alert, use the memo pad and your pencil. And we will pick up the other pair as soon as we get through this break. I'll be here when you get back. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and we are entering the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We're talking about Godzilla the Beast, which is our invisible enemy. Imagine having something as large as Godzilla in your workplace, and you don't even know it's there, and it's clumping around, and it's leaving its big, heavy footprint everywhere, messing up things, and the only thing you see is the footprint. You see this kerboom. And that's motion. Godzilla is missing information. The footprint is motion. Today we're talking about this in general, but also giving you some sets of tools for you to validate that for yourself. Just before the break, we talked about staying alert and using your memo pad to keep track of your interruptions, for example, the questions you are asked, and also flipping the memo pad over the questions that you ask when you interrupt someone else. And we were also talking about, just before the break, that 
this is not what we're describing today is not the solution. These are not methodologies for solving the problem, but merely, and importantly, I shouldn't say really merely, but importantly, a way to validate that it's there. Part of the reason that we continue to struggle is that we don't really realize that the struggle is not the same as work. And while lean will take care of part of that struggle, it is not equipped, it is not designed to attack information deficits. It simply isn't. A methodology will unfold over a period of time. Methodologies take time, diligence, a set of sturdy principles and practices, a strong behind-the-scenes improvement infrastructure to ensure that the outcomes are sustained. No outcome is sustainable just because you discovered it. You have to take special steps to sustain. They're two, two separate. Solving and sustainment are two separate issues. And ladies and gentlemen, sustainment is not the same as caring. I just want to say as an aside, I've heard so many complaints. They could be termed nothing other than complaints about how people don't care enough and therefore the change that we worked so hard for disappeared. Not at all. Those are completely separate items. The solution and caring, they have nothing to do with each other. You call caring discipline. I'm not saying you, but some people do. If you really cared, you'd follow up. No. If you take the time and the effort to create a change, you must take the time and make the effort to build in sustainment mechanisms. And part of that is your infrastructure. It's just wrongheadedness. It isn't, you know, it's a problem, but it's so curable, so curable. So methodologies, good sturdy methodologies, the kind that you want, have a segment of them that is about sustaining the change. Let's move on to the second set of tools. And the second set has to do with something different than saying alert or using your memo pad. This has to do with naming the location of your main work, your value field, where you add value, and then measuring your motion from that. And one of the main tools, a couple of tools, small tools that we use for that is a pedometer or a stopwatch. So let me explain this so that you know what the heck I'm talking about. So your value field is where you add value. And to conquer motion, we need to have a better understanding of what that location is, where it is, what it is. The value field is the physical, actual location where you do your work, your main work. There are supporting value fields, and I'll name a group in a moment, for uh, an operating room so it's very clean. And you'll see what it is. So you'll have a primary value field where you do your work and you'll have supporting value fields. And you have to be very clear that the purpose of the value field is the place where you add value 
where you do your work. So you need to have that clean definition of work. Work means moving and adding value. Motion means moving and not working. Or you could say and not adding value. It's very clean. So trainers and supervisors, if you're going to be using these tools to validate that you need the visual workplace, make sure that people understand and that they tell you what their work is. And you listen for, oh, no, that's not work. When you check, when you count, when you count again, when you check again, that's not work. That's motion. There's an information deficit there. So you get that definition clean, what work means for you. And for example, peeling back the layers like skin on an onion. We look at an operating room as an example. We want to see the connection between value field, work, and motion. And it's exact. So the primary value field for a surgeon is what? The surgeon is going to make sure his or her tools are in place. The surgeon is going to examine the patient. I beg your pardon, I'm going to withdraw that one completely. I don't know why I said it. That one's completely withdrawn. So let's just say the surgeon who's entering the operating room is making sure the tools are there. Take a look around. Yeah, everything's in place. I've looked at the x-rays. This is also important. This is part of her work, but it's not her main value field. She's going to wash her hands. This is part of her work, preparing for work, going to a supporting value field where she washes her hands. It's so important. But that's not her main value field. Her main value field, her primary field of work, the place, the location, is the patient himself, the patient that's on the operating table. And everything else supports it. And so when you are thinking about your value field, you have to say, where is my main value field? If you're an operator, it's probably going to be a machine or a workbench, and that will be your primary value field. But there's lots of secondary value fields. If you're a supervisor, your primary value field is not your desk. That's a secondary value field. Where do you add value? You need to determine that. And the reason why it's important in reference to motion is that we're going to measure all motion in relationship to the value field. This is where visuality gets very physical. If I am not at my primary value field, I am in some degree of motion. And what we try to do is bring all of the activities that we do at our supporting value fields closer to our point of use, the point of use being the main value field, and we measure our motion from our primary value field. Operators and sometimes supervisors, as I mentioned before, will measure that by using a pedometer, picking up the pedometer when I leave my value field, turning it on and putting it down when I get back, picking it up when I leave my main value field and putting it down. And this illuminates how much activity, we call it motion, happens that is not my main value field. We measure it physically or we use a stopwatch. We turn the stopwatch on when we leave our primary value field 
and we turn it off when we get back. And at the end of the day, if we're using a pedometer, we see that we've traveled a mile and a half or five miles in the case of Janet Jones at Harris Corp, the most I've ever seen. And she did it without leaving her department. She did it just by going back and forth to her secondary value fields or back and forth to ask an answer, to ask questions. Five miles in one day without leaving her department. That was astonishing. She was a very thin lady. (laughs) She was very thin. Oh, it was unbelievable. Because when we look for evidence, we want this to be exciting. We want it to be a journey of discovery. And so we hold our feet to the fire and make those definitions very hard and fast. We enjoy not making excuses for ourselves when we become scientists of our own work. We enjoy saying, I'm just going to measure my motion related to my primary value field because I want to illuminate how much motion there is because I'm interested and because I know that that motion means struggle. And that's one of the things I do not like at work. And in a visual workplace, I'm going to be able to address so much of my own struggle. Yes, part of my struggle is related to the systems that are either not there in my company or not strong enough. Not my fault. But there's a lot of stuff, a lot of cure, a lot of remedy, a lot of solution that I can take on for myself because I'm a visual thinker and I've learned how to think visually. I've learned to recognize the enemy and the information deficits that are underneath. I've learned, I'm going to reframe that, I've learned to recognize the footprint of the enemy and they lead me right back to the enemy. The the footprint is motion And the enemy is Godzilla information deficits. I've learned to do that. I can be independent. I can be powerful. And I can address my own problems. And I can do it bit by bit, part by part, inch by inch, motion by motion, struggle by struggle, iteration by iteration. I'm going to cycle through again and again and again. And I, as a visual thinker, glory in that because I'm learning so much, because it's illuminating. And I can also help others with my devices that share information. I can watch their motion. I can watch them leave their primary value field. I can watch them leave their patient who is bleeding on the operating table. And I can help them. And we widen the circle. So understanding your value field, and I'm encouraging you to understand it strictly. If you're a machinist, you are instantly in motion the moment you physically move away from the machine. Because that machine is your primary value field. And in fact, you need to determine, is your work loading the machine? Or is it lubricating the machine? If it's lubricating the machine, it's a very, very important task, but it is not your primary task. 
So you look for ways to shrink that. It's not that you don't lubricate. It's just that you have the understanding that lubricating the machine is secondary. And you make that distinction and don't worry about making it hard and fast. Instead, support the discussion because the discussion itself is interesting. You don't need to land and have fixed rules, but you do need to engage in the discovery of what it means for you, what it means for others. You have a lively conversation about this. You have a lively conversation about reducing the struggle because you have the tools and the thinking. So right now we're talking about discovering the motivation because suddenly you get your arms around how big this problem is and that motivates you. Okay, we're going into our last break. I'll be here when you get back. We'll wrap this up and I have a few other things to share with you. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. This is the last segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, and we are talking about the presence of Godzilla in the workplace, missing information, the invisible enemy, Godzilla, but you can't see him. You can only see his footprint, and that is motion moving without working. We're talking about the pre-visual workplace. And just before the break, we were talking about the importance of identifying your value field so you can map your motion based on that. Your value field is your anchor point. You will determine your primary value field, and this is so important for CEOs and managers and supervisors and, yes, operators and field staff. Hmm? 
you determine your primary value field and your secondary. And the difference between the two will clear up over time as you practice. I cannot give you a, a, a clean and fast definition for you, but you'll know what it is. And I kind of messed up in my description about the machine and the lubrication. That wasn't a clear example. I apologize. It wasn't a crystal clear example. But I want you to determine that for yourself and decide, am I going to give myself a break and let me be loosey-goosey about the definition or am I going to be sharp and razor-edged about it and use this as an instrument, a surgical instrument to understand the motion around, around me and why I struggle so much at work. And once you've defined your primary value field, this becomes a powerful anchor for pinpointing and measuring your motion because anytime you leave your primary value field, you are automatically in motion because you cannot do your work. Your work. That's the whole thing. When the surgeon leaves the patient, it may be to do something that is indispensable, but it is still not the primary work. The primary work is that patient that location and what would it be like if the surgeon didn't have to leave the patient and could still do that secondary task as part of the flow of the primary task this is where lean and and visual share outcomes the only thing is visuality is doing it from the point of view of missing information and what's so interesting is that you can track this and you can come up with unbelievable numbers of how much struggle there is in your work. And by the way, I want to say, if you don't want to use a pedometer or you don't have one or a stopwatch, then you use your memo pad. Again, how many times do I leave my value field? Click, 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 click. Six times a day, Mary Beale's, in Mary Beale's case, I remember Mary Beale, 26 times a day she left her, her bench. She was a assembler 26 times a day. No wonder she couldn't get her work done. She felt under so much pressure. She had been written up. She was worried about her job and therefore her mortgage and her children. Then she became a scientist of motion. And if you're a manager or a supervisor, enlist two or three volunteers and Provide them with a memo pad, pedometer, or stopwatch, or give them their choice. And just say, look, I just want you to keep track. You don't have to share my res- the results with me, and I'm going to keep track myself. I just want some colleagues in this, and let's see what we have. And the results are amazing. Remember at the beginning of the show, I told you I was recently with a client, and I said, you know, you're going to get a 15% increase in productivity. And by the way, this was high complexity, low volume. And they said, oh, nonsense. Come on, Gwendolyn, be realistic. And I said, okay, could you accept 6%? And they said, well, that's a bit of a stretch. But it's better than a 15% improvement. They couldn't imagine it. I point as an example of this for the evidence that a gentleman, an operator who worked with Stuart Bellamy, whom I've mentioned often, accumulated He was an assembler, very high complexity, very low volume, 
And he said this, and I'm quoting, I used to spend about five minutes every hour, give or take, in motion, let's say five minutes, looking for tools or parts or information or waiting around for them. Sometimes I would just wander around. Then I learned about motion. I learned about the enemy. I added it up and wow. Based on five minutes an hour, and sometimes it was more, I lost at least 19.6 days every year and there are 200 of me on the floor. That's 31, he did the math, and I'm reading right now from his quote, that's 31,360 lost hours every year. Wow. So he did the math. He said, this is a monster. This is large, and it's invisible. We don't even, we, we don't even notice it. We just think it's part of our day and what keeps us busy. What would it be like if those information deficits no longer existed and we could simply flow through our work without struggle? That, you have to implement a methodology. I'm looking right now at some of the incredible devices that this gentleman invented. They were in our newsletter. A couple of them were in our newsletter um, in June. A few, a few months ago. That newsletter, I believe, was called, that particular article, article was called Multiples in Methodology, part four of the series in the newsletter that I ran earlier in the summer before I went on vacation. But the, the awareness is everything. If you ask people just to create visual devices, they're going to run out of them. They're going to run out of ideas. They don't even know why they're doing it. You're going to get a dozen visual devices and celebrate that and think that that is a victory. But when you give people the motion, the the lever, the tool, the device, the mechanism of motion and let them measure it, let that be the yardstick, the size of the enemy is calculated from there. Then you keep going and you keep attacking the motion. You remember the story of Paulette and her microscope. This was something I talked about a few months ago. That's it. It's iterative. So I hope that this show has been useful to you in terms of putting some hands and feet on how do I get started knowing that I have the problem. I've given it to you today. I want to thank you very much for listening. I hope this has been useful. Let the workplace speak. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.